come to the pulpit laser focused. We're going to get this done, and it's got to, and you know, and and um, just a lot that's connected to this particular study that we're that we're in. And um, I just, as always, want to be led by the Holy Spirit, and that's what we're going to, uh, by faith, be done. Uh, what's going to be done tonight? But let's let's begin in First Corinthians thirteen and thirteen. It says, and now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. The word abide there is important. It means remain, but it means so much more. Abide speaks to the relation in which one thing stands to another. Remember, Jesus used this word a lot. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. And obviously we see in Scripture we're hiding the word of God in our hearts, but he's talking about your relationship to the word and, and how you know abiding in him abiding in his word the, the way you stand and relate to these things in your individual life these three abiding together means they go together they stand together they work together and they produce results together a lot of confusion in our world as to what these things really are and what they mean but aren't you glad that we have God's word to help us see specifically, precisely, clearly, this three-pillared foundation of faith, hope, and love for the life that God created us to live. We said last week and the week before that the quality of your foundation will determine whether you stand strong or waver. Standing strong is more than just gritting your teeth and deciding you're going to. If you don't have the right footing under you, it doesn't matter how much you are determined to stand if you're standing on a faulty foundation, you're going to waver. But if we're on a firm foundation, if we're on a right foundation, a solid foundation, then there's still effort involved in standing, but we can stand on that and prevail. Last week, we introduced this alongside some other things that we've been talking about, and that's a comprehensive approach to receiving from God a comprehensive approach. And comprehensive means including all the elements or aspects of something as opposed to a non-comprehensive approach to where we focus on some things to the exclusion of others. And I feel like that's what a lot of people are doing even in the quote-unquote word of faith movement. You know, Folks like us who believe that God is good and who believe that He's given us good things and wants us to... Uh, not only experience good things in our lives, but to minister good things to others. And of course, we know that faith is a key element, but it's not the only element in a comprehensive approach to receiving God. To I'm sorry, to receiving from God. Well, for that matter, receiving Him as far as through salvation. Right? So we said last week there's an established way to receive, and it's not random and vague, but it's specific and clear and precise. So that means there's a right way to do it, right way to go about it, and any variation or deviation from the established way will not produce results in your life. And we see this, as, as I'm reading through this, just verse after verse, you know, firing off in my heart and mind, but of course James comes to mind. If you doubt, let not that man suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. There's a tendency when it comes to receiving from God to get tunnel vision and Tunnel vision meaning we become so focused on one aspect that we lose sight of the others. 
and we sometimes tend, and I, I've, when I say guilty of this, I'm not saying it's wrong. You can't, you can't preach everything in one sermon, you know. And so we tend to receive sermons in parts and pieces, and, and that's okay. That's the way, it, I guess, it needs to, to come uh, to us, at least in a group setting like this. But if we never put those pieces together with one another, we're left with an incomplete picture. So let's not get tunnel vision. We could teach on the importance of endurance as it relates to receiving from God. And it's important, but it's not the only thing. Faith, again, it's an aspect, it's an element of receiving from God, but it's not the only thing. And if we just focus in on those one or two things without understanding how they fit together with and work together with and relate to um, other things, we will be left at a disadvantage. Here's an example of, um, of this in Scripture. Hebrews chapter 6, we'll look at 11, 12, and then verse 19. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you do not become sluggish. That word could have been translated lazy, that you do not become lazy, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. I want to talk to you a little more tonight about receiving from God and specifically how to receive from God as a three-dimensional being. You are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. And we see that he's talking about our inheriting the promises. Well, you read this and it sounds like that this is something that hasn't happened yet. But then you read in other places where it says that we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus and that we have been given our inheritance. And you think, well, there's a contradiction here. There's no contradiction. You have to understand each verse in light of you being a spirit, having a soul, and living in a body. The Bible talks about our salvation in the past tense. It talks about our salvation in the present tense. It talks about our salvation in the future tense. You have been saved. You are being saved. You will be saved. And denominational lines have been drawn, for the most part, over which one is accurate. In other words, are we, are we being, or will we be? And it's not either or, but it's, it's all and. It's, it's, it's all of the above. Your spirit has been, your soul is being, and your body will be. And you'll never understand these things unless you understand them uh, looking at the three dimensions. So when he says that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who, th- who through faith and patience inherit the promises, here inherit means to physically possess what belongs to you already as a child of God, to physically possess it. The children of Israel in the Old Testament are a great example of this. There were things that God gave to Abraham that 
his descendants did not actually physically possess for hundreds of years. So we have the promise and then we have the actual possession. But promise doesn't mean something waiting to be fulfilled necessarily. Now, there are things pertaining to our mortal becoming immortal and that are absolute future works of salvation. But in this case, I'm talking about the realities that we have already received. So imitate those who through faith and patience, this word patience here also could mean endurance, inherit the promise, physically possess what they've already been given. Physically possess what we've already been given. Everything between verse 12 and verse 19 is important. I just want to focus in on verse 19, Hebrews 6 and 19. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. The hope we have is an anchor, he said, for the soul. Remember, your soul is the part of you that thinks and feels and chooses. It's your mind, your emotions, and your will. And if there's ever been a season on planet Earth, at least in my lifetime, where we need an anchor for our soul, my brothers and my sisters, we need it now. Our world is, um, is in dire straits. There's, there's a lot that's going on in our world, things that we've never seen really in, in our lifetimes. And I know sometimes preachers use some of these things to, in a joking way or to get a laugh or something. I, I'm, I'm just telling you, that's not, it's not funny. Um, you know, we, we talk about confusion in our identity. And just when we thought we had seen that as far as it could decline, now we see that we're not even sure what a man or a woman is anymore. Again, our world is in a mess. I'm not here to, to rail against any of that. But as God's people, it's the confident and joyful expectation that we have of holding in our hands the things that have already been given to us that provides an anchor for our souls. Remember, Satan tries to attack us in our minds. We receive from God by faith uh, on a spiritual level, from his spirit to our spirit. But if the things we receive on a spiritual level are ever going to be held and possessed in our physical hands, it's going to have to pass from our spirit through our soul into our physical reality. We've covered that in other teachings. So do you see why Satan tries to attack your faith through your mind? He tries to, um, you know, come against the things that you've believed you've received through uh, thoughts and by deceiving us into focusing, shifting our focus away from what God has said and done to how things look, seem, and feel. So what provides 
the anchor for our soul. It's the hope. It's the confident expectation. But notice that the hope that is the anchor for our soul, he says, enters the presence behind the veil. Meaning what? Meaning you can trace the tether all the way back to God. That that's where our hope, that's who our hope is in, that's where our hope is anchored all the way back to that immovable, unshakable, eternal foundation. Now, I don't want you to tire of this list. I don't believe you are. Just like we didn't remember our ABCs the first time we heard them, perhaps you did not remember this the first time you heard it, but this is a real simple framework of what I understand up into this moment concerning a comprehensive approach to receiving from God. And the notice that God is the foundation. This is the, the basis for all of this. All of this is supported and sustained by Him. But if we start at the top where we see the endurance or the patience, remember through faith and patience, hold in your possession what you've already been given. It's supported by hope, sustained by hope. You, you cannot endure without confident and joyful expectation coming up underneath and supporting your ability to endure. Hope is undergirded, supported, and sustained by faith. And this involves an ongoing active response to God's Word, beginning with a confession, but continuing from there. We know that faith is undergirded and supported by God's Word. Faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Now, there is obviously a difference between each one of these. But for me, as the Lord was teaching me this and continues to teach me this, as I continue to, with His help, teach it to you, it it shifts right here in, when it comes to God's Word. Let me, let me try to say this another way. For some reason since the Garden of Eden, people have been trying to figure out how to live the way God created us to live without God. Trying to figure out how to have what God created us to have without having to pay attention to Him or listen to Him, how to get to where they want to be in life by themselves through their own efforts. And it's obviously it's rebellion, it's pride, it's, it's, it's all these things. And so if we're not careful, like if we just started as is, I think, the way a lot of faith people, um, you know, look at these things, it would be basically God's Word, then faith, then hope, then endurance. Have you ever stopped to consider that God's Word carried little to no weight with Abraham when it was first promised 
to Abraham and Sarah that they would have a child. Think about that for a moment. God said, you're, you're going to have a son, and they laughed. It seemed laughable to them. Now, that's a real problem. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And at this point, in their understanding of God, in their, um, you know, trying to live for God and do... Remember, I mean, it, it's no small thing that they left Ur of Chaldees and, you know, I'm taking you somewhere and you'll know when you get there. We see trust on their part. Obviously, if they had said no to that, I don't... Maybe I'm just talking as a, as a human being, you know, thinking as a, as a man... Um, but I, I imagine if they'd have stayed in Ur of Chaldees that none of this would have ever happened with Isaac. And I don't know, but I just, that's how God seems to work in, in, in people's lives in the Bible, how it seems to work in, in my life. It's, it's one step leads to the next step, which leads to the next step. And if you get stuck on a step and don't, don't want to take that next step of faith, and you know, you've heard me talk about some of the struggles back in the spring of 1998 when the Lord was dealing with me about starting this church. And, and you know, I, obviously I'm so thankful now all these years later that we did, but for some months it was a hard no. I mean, it was like, no way, you know, I'm going to do that. Well, I'm not saying that God wouldn't still love me or whatever, but Obviously, I would I would be out of his will. I would I would not be doing what he wanted me to do, and still under grace, still the mercy of God. But all that has happened, and and all the um, things that have been done, would not have happened. Are you, are you, are you, you follow what I'm saying? So so it's you've got to take that one step in order to take the next one in order. Um, to take the next one. And so when God first said to them that you're going to have a child, they laughed. In other words, His promise concerning them having children of their own, it carried no weight. It, it wasn't like they said, oh, wow, thank you so much for that word. It was like, yeah, right. So how did they go from laughing to actually conceiving and, and, and giving birth to Isaac? Well, Romans 4, and we'll get there maybe next week, but in Romans 4 we see that he became strong in faith by not considering his own body. But if you keep following, it says that he gave glory to God. So, I came up here with two or three things really kind of pressing on me, and I knew the Holy Spirit would lead me to the one we need to talk about tonight, and so obviously this is it. When God's Word does not carry the weight that it should carry in, in your heart and mind and, and, and life, then you need to spend some more time with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Word of God as it relates to God's thoughts, God's desires, 
and God's actions. It was what He's already done. That's what, that's what it means when it says that Abraham gave glory to God. Glory is one of these really unique words. It's, it's, I, I, I liken it to, um, to the word pneuma in the Scriptures. Pneuma is P-N-E-U-M-A. We get our English word pneumatic. If you've ever used a pneumatic tool, it's an air tool. Pneuma can mean anything from Holy Spirit to human spirit to, to air flow. I mean, it's, it's a little word that has vast and diverse meaning. And doxa, the Greek word, pneuma is the Greek word for spirit, doxa is the Greek word for glory. And you have to look at the context of the use and the root words involved, but in its simplest form, doxa means to, to recognize, to be of an opinion or to have an opinion and to e- express that opinion and that recognition. So when God gives a promise to Abraham that carries no... I hope you understand what I mean. Let me back up here for just a minute. Do you understand what I mean by carries weight? Two weeks ago, I think we said this, right? you got to go home. Who said? Right? You're, you're out on the playground playing as a kid and your uh, little sister comes up to you and says, you got to go home. Who said? Why do we want to know who said? Because some people saying it carries more weight than other people saying it. If so-and-so said it, well, we're just going to keep, you know, we, we got three more innings here, you know. But if dad said it, see, the, the respect, so when I say carries weight, we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But, well, let's, let's take this out of the context of God for a moment. And let's just talk about, you know, people in your life. You, you have people in your life, I pray that you have people in your life, that if they tell you something, you can quote-unquote take it to the bank. Because their words carry tremendous weight with you. If they say that, that they're going to do it, it's, as far as you're concerned, it's done. If they tell you this, but then, you know, just keep looking straight ahead. No, I'm just kidding. But there's people in our lives that maybe they mean well, but we've just learned that you know, they may say that they're going to do something, but maybe they do it, maybe they don't. Maybe they'll come through, maybe they, maybe they won't. So the person who always comes through for you, their, their words, their promises to you are going to carry much more weight in your life and how you respond in, in, in your level of, of confident expectation <laughs> moving forward versus someone who you never really know what they're going to do or if they're going to show up or not. Do you see why the devil's behind this lie that you never know about God, that you never know what God is going to do? Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. 
And people throw that around like it's this great mystery of God and we're almost like we're paying him a compliment because he's so mysterious and you never know what God is going to do. He may show up and show out or he may this or he may that. And, and we think that somehow we're complimenting him with that. If somebody said the same thing about you, I don't think you would take it as a compliment. Well, you should, you should never know what, what Bruce is going to do. That's not a compliment. So when I say that God's words at the initial promise, when God said, made you a father of many nations. You're not just a father of one. You're a father of many nations. It, God's word did not carry the weight that it should have carried in Abraham's life, which if you go from God's word up, faith has got to rest on that word. <laughs> Do you see? But that word doesn't mean a lot to him. It's, it's laughable. So how is it ever going to support any faith, right? So, so what, he wavered. That promise staggered him. It, it rocked him. It's like, what? No way. It was more than he could take and run with. So how did he go from laughing at it to holding the baby and then even beyond that, going to sacrifice Isaac because God asked him to? How did he go from that place of weak faith to that, that standard of faith that's held up for you and me now to learn from and, and follow in the footsteps of by giving glory to God. What does that mean? By, by recognizing, by recognizing God's nature, His character, His ability, by, by gaining insight into how God thinks and what God desires and what God has done. Are, are you seeing this? Because remember what, when they laughed, remember what the angel of the Lord said. They laughed and he goes, why did you laugh? And they're like, am I to have pleasure in my old age? I mean, you, are you serious right now? And that angel looked at him like, I'm, I believe like, I can't believe they're laughing. And remember what he said. It's, to me, it's one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament. He says, is, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Well, see, obviously, Abraham and Sarah's minds weren't working that way yet. To them, God saying that, it, it didn't carry a lot of weight with them because they, they, they didn't at this point at least understand how God thinks and what God desires and, and, and what God has done. You say, well, well, well what, what had God done? I mean, obviously now we've got the, the record of all that Jesus has done for us, for us to go to and look to and, and have our faith and, and all that assured up under. How about God created the world? How about all of creation testifies of, of, his, of his eternal power and, and his divine being and his wisdom? So, let me, can I tell you why a lot of people have a hard time believing in uh, divine healing, physical healing? It's because that, you, <clears throat> the Word of God clearly says it. 
Now, if, if you want to come up with all these different ideas and, and, and whatever, but it's undeniable. I mean, from the Old Testament prophecies to the New Testament fulfillment of those prophecies to the covenant, the blessing, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, by stripes you were healed, you have been perfected forever. It's, it's, it's right there in the Scriptures. But why do people struggle with believing what God's Word clearly says about healing for our physical bodies? It's because they don't know how He thinks. See what I'm saying? They, they still want to, what about Job? You start trying to tell somebody about God wanting to bless them. What about Job? See, they don't, they don't understand how God thinks. They don't understand what God desires. And they don't understand what God has done or why He's done it. They don't understand His, his motives, His intentions. So, you know, while we're talking about one thing resting on another, because they don't understand how God thinks, they don't understand what God desires, God is a good God. Every word he's ever spoken, he's spoken with you in mind and with your best interest in mind. He sings over you while you sleep at night. He numbers the hairs on your head. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will our Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If he spared not his only son but delivered him up for his all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? What are, what are all these verses doing in, in my life and hopefully doing in your life right now? They're, they're recognizing God's nature, his character, his ability, how he thinks, what his desires are, how he acts, and what he's already done. See, if, if you're weak in understanding of those things, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of, our, of, our, of, of God. You know, he, what does he say? If you, don't, if you don't fellowship with God, see, this, is, this goes back to people wanting to start this, this uh, foundational stack at God's Word. Why is that? Because we think if we, just, if we just spend enough time in the Word, we just hide enough, we just confess enough, we just quit saying bad things and start saying positive things, what we don't realize is we're, we're, we're trying to make a formula out of this that we can somehow control, that we can turn it on and off anytime we want to turn it on and off because we've mastered this Word of Faith stuff and we, and we know how to say the right things and do the right things and we've got it down to a science. No, you've got it down to a letter, but, but the letter kills. It's the Spirit that gives life. And so all of this is, goes behind the veil into the presence of God. In other words, all of this goes back to and is ultimately anchored upon God. And the only way you know his nature, character, and ability, and the only way you know his thoughts, desires, and actions is if you fellowship with him, is if you allow the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to reveal these things to you about him. I am convinced he is a good God. I am convinced that he only wants good for me. I am convinced that not only is he uh, predictable, he wants me to see him as predictable. He wants me to understand that he has obligated himself to his word and he will always do in my life what his word says and that faith, hope, and love will always do their part if I do mine. It's how he thinks. See, if you, if you have this idea of God, you know, that he, that he puts sickness on people to teach them a lesson. There's a lot of people that think that. I'm not saying anybody in this room thinks that. That's not correct. If I'm just trying to make the point, though. But see, if you have that kind of wrong 
understanding about God's nature, character, and ability? Do you realize people accuse God of things that we put people in prison for? And just chalk it up to the, just, you never know God, just the mysteries of God, blah, blah, blah. So when His Word doesn't carry the weight that it should carry, it's just like in anybody else's Word doesn't carry. You know, we... Here's, um, you ever had a job where they did a background check on you? <laughs> you ever been hired for a job where you had to go take a drug test? Well, what are these people doing? Did, you know, did they not ask you these things? Yeah, but see, your word right now is not carrying a lot of weight with them. They're, they're trying to figure out some things about what you think and what you like and want and how you do things. And man, their employers now, they look at your credit score. Right? They, they want to see how you manage your money before they let you manage theirs. I'm not saying I agree with that or disagree with it. I'm just saying, why, why, are they, why, why do we do these kinds of background checks? Why do we want references? I know like, you know... Um, some of the uh, things that we've done over the years to uh, trying to be uh, a good businessman, amen, with, uh, with the things of God. People want to rent our buildings. Well, we need some references, you know. Want to call people you've leased buildings from in, in the past. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to learn some things about these people's character, their ability to make a lease payment. You know, what, what kind of tenant, were they easy to work with? If they had a problem, you know, were they, was it hard to coordinate getting in to fix that problem for them? Um, how do they think? What are their businesses run? Are you following? In other words, what are we doing? We're not sure we can just take their word for it. So we're trying to learn some things deeper about them that would give us confidence that they're going to honor their word when they sign that lease. Is this making sense to you? So, the more you understand the nature of God, remember, He's love. You'll never violate who He is. Never violate what He said. I heard, um, and I would give credit, I think it was Chris Valaton, but I may be wrong on that. It was one of the Bethel pastors, and, and he said something that really touched me and impacted me. And he's talking about the book of Revelation, and, and we know that, that judgment is coming to this earth. But he, he said this simple statement. He said, I refuse to accept any version of end-time events that fails to include God as love. Now, I had parents who loved me enough to discipline me, and if that discipline required punishment, amen. doesn't mean they don't love me. It doesn't, it doesn't mean they don't love me. It means that they did, right? And we see that, uh, that part of God. But it's not like he's going to take his love coat off and set it aside when he judges this world, he will do it as love. Amen. His nature, his character, 
This is why we need to study the life of Jesus. Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's one of the, one of the great revelations in all the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 1 reinforces it. That He is the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. Bill Johnson says it this way, Jesus is perfect theology. Theology being the study of God. If you want to study God, study Jesus. Because Jesus, if you've seen Him, you've seen the Father. Why is that important? It goes to nature. It goes to character. It goes to ability. It goes to how He thinks. It goes to what He desires. It goes to what He can do and has done. See, you can't be strong in faith while at the same time being weak and confused in these areas. Are you seeing this? So this is why you have a, a lot of people. Now listen, God has provisions for these things. And we talked about this last week with my grandfather. He wasn't even born again. And another man who had yielded himself to the, to the ministry and to the gifts of the Spirit working in through his life, just the sheer mercy of God towards my grandfather. He was, he was touched and healed in, in a supernatural, amazing fashion. And so we're, we're, we're thankful for that. What I'm talking about now is walking out the inward realities of the new birth. Living, you know, as you therefore receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk you in Him. Walking and living our lives with ever-increasing amounts of possessing in our physical reality, what we've already received and been given. How, how, how do we do that? When, when, when we're presented with things that have a tendency or the potential to kind of, you know, knock the wind out of us for a minute. You know, you know, how, how do we respond? And a lot of people find themselves in, in that position and they try to jump somewhere in the upper third of that. Man, just got to believe, just got to believe, just got to have faith. Faith, faith, I believe, I believe, I believe that I'm going to say, I believe that I'm going to say, I believe that I'm here, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. But again, little to zero knowledge in God's Word, so they, give me some healing scriptures, okay? <laughs> here's some healing scriptures. Give me some, uh, give me some financial prosperity scriptures, okay? Here, here they are, all right? Okay, so what, just say these three times a day or more? What, less, what? What do I need to do? Well, listen, God sees the humble heart. I'm not trying to just make this so cut and dried or dogmatic or whatever. But this is where you get this, I tried all that stuff. I tried that fake stuff and it didn't work. Well, faith, that's tunnel vision. Amen. Faith rests upon the Word of God. And the Word of God rests upon how God thinks and what God desires and what God has done which rests upon his nature, character, and ability, which takes you all the way back to him. Have faith in God. Very, very hard to have that level of trust and confidence and faith in someone that you know very little about. You want to, especially if you're in some you know, situation where there's nothing left to do but pray. And so we start grasping at these things. You know, Matthew said it pretty strongly on Pastor Appreciation Day Sunday. I tell people, some, you know, over the years folks have said, I think I would be more comfortable, you know, counseling with Matt. I said, okay, that's fine. I said, 
He will tell you everything that I will tell you. He's going to tell you in about 20 minutes. I'm going to tell you in about three weeks. <laughs> so he just kind of drops the hammer sometimes. All right. But see, there, there are folks right now that need to be here. I'm not, listen, I said it a minute ago in, in class. You can't let the people who reject you keep you from reaching the people who want you and need you. But listen to me now. There, there are folks, and the Lord, where the Lord came through Matthew on Pastor Appreciation Day, right? There are people who need to be here right now because there are things that are coming in their life that God's trying to prepare them for, but they're not here to get prepared for it. And so, you know, some situations, some circumstance, some issues or whatever in life, now all of a sudden it's like, y'all still do those healing services? Like, I'm like, any, any, any time, day or night, we'll even meet you down here, right, you know. No, I mean like the ones that y'all used to do. Like, again, see, it's, anyway, stand with me, praise God. Let me say it another way. I'm convinced his word is true because I'm convinced he's true. I'm convinced he's true. I'm convinced that he only wants good for me. That's his nature. He, he, he's love and grace is love expressing himself. He, he, he just, I, I, I believe he created us to be an object of his affection. Amen. <laughs> just, he's love and he wanted somebody to share himself with. Amen. See, now, when you understand that about his nature and character, see, now it's to believe that by his stripes I was healed. Okay, wow. See, if, you, if you're still struggling with the virgin birth and whether or not God used evolution to create everything and it's... I mean, there's no way God could have created the earth. See, well, what's the, what's the saying? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you don't have any problem with that verse, then you probably don't have any problem with anything that follows in the Bible. That's his ability, right? That's his ability. Father, you're good to us, and we acknowledge that. Thank you for your great love. Thank you for helping us, Lord. Father, you have established this comprehensive approach. And Lord, we see that central to it is knowing you and having a daily walk and fellowship with you where you reveal yourself to us. Jesus, you, you talked about this, that when we do what you say as it relates to love and loving others, that you and your Father will come and make your abode with us and that you'll reveal him to us, that we'll see. And Father, I thank you that that's what's happening. 
you said it very clearly in your word, sir, that you're a diligent, that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And there is no greater reward. There is no greater prize than knowing you and knowing who you are and, and what you're really and truly like. Father, I thank you for our veterans. Lord, I thank you for the men and women that are part of this family of faith who have served. And I thank you, Father, for um, our nation. Lord, some of these election results that are hanging in the balance. Father, I thank you for restoring righteousness in our nation and in our government. We pray for those who have leadership over us, that it might be well with us. And Lord, we, we thank you for the necessary changes that are taking place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for being here this evening. Thank you for um, your faithfulness. Look forward to seeing you on Sunday, if not before.